0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Matt. Seems funny that I should say that, right? One of the pastors here at Hope Church. Anyway, if you're uh, in-house, thank you. Good to be here with you. And if you're joining us online, we're glad that you're joining us online. Um, I want to ask you, just think about some of the relationships you have. Um, Sometimes you have those relationships that are necessary Um, They're not pleasant necessarily, but you have them. It it may be that you have a teacher that you don't particularly care for if you're a student, or you work in a company and you have people that you work with or a boss that you don't particularly care for, but you kind of have responsibilities and you kind of have to have a a nice relationship. Or it may be that you have a friendship with somebody and you see them texting you or calling you and immediately you go, oh, what's going on with them? And... You just kind of go back and forth with this person, and you've been going back and forth with them for a long time, and it's just kind of that nice relationship. Then there's the the person or people that you uh, you see them coming, you get you see their number on your phone, and you go, "Oh crap, this is going to be so draining." And you know they're it's like you know it's like you're in trouble, and you know they're going to drain your tub, and you know it's just just bet. It's just they're always so needy, and you just say, how do, okay, how can I get off the f- phone, you know, or whatever? You have some of those people in your life, right? And then hopefully, hopefully, you have some people that you're with them, and it's like all of a sudden I feel better. All of a sudden I'm encouraged. All of a sudden my spirits are lifted, and I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And hopefully you have people like that in your life. So we all have kind of those type of relationships, don't we? Because we're human and humans have those type of relationships. Well, I wanna ask you something. As you think about your relationship with Jesus Christ, how would you characterize it? How would you characterize it? We're gonna talk a little bit about that because that's kind of where we're gonna take our passage today and apply it. But what we've been talking about is we've been talking about essentially the, the series has been roadblocks, and Jesus faced a number of roadblocks, just like we do. Like, life isn't always easy, right? Life is difficult. Like, you know, you, you may be looking at this week and going, man, I am not feeling good about this week. This is going to have some challenging challenges and challenging people and projects, and I know I'm going to have some, some things I'm going to have to fix, I'm going to have to figure them out, and I'm just, uh, I don't even want to think about it, right? And, and, you know, that's the way it was with Jesus. He had enemies. He had, you know, people that wanted to kill him. He had disciples that didn't understand him. He had, you know, he had all these things going on. Like, think about it. Like, he was the son of God, and he's taken into the desert. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He's taken in there by the enemy, and the enemy says, if you just bow down to me, I'll give you everything. You can shortcut this whole process, right? Right? And then we talked a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus is just hanging out and his brothers and his family, and there's a couple of times where his brothers and even his mother, they go, you know, show yourself. Come on. If you really are, show yourself. Help us out here. Because you think, you know, Mary's like, yeah, he will be the Messiah. And it's like, well, you haven't done many Messiah things lately. You know, and, and, and so... All this is going on, and and there's push from his own family. And then we talked; Mark talked about last weekend, where Jesus is, he's uh, you know saying taking a poll: Who do people say that I am? And Peter, you know, he says, "Well, who do you say that I am?" Peter says, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And Jesus says, "Peter, uh, you will be the rock." He says, "You know, heaven and earth hasn't revealed this, but my uh, my." Flesh and blood hasn't revealed it. My Father in heaven has revealed this to you. And then he goes on to tell how he must suffer and die. And Peter says, no, you're not. I'm not going to let that happen. Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. So even his own disciples, it's like, Peter's in the garden. Remember in the garden? And, and the, 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 arm, the troops are coming out to get him. The, the soldiers are coming out to get him. Peter pulls a sword and lops off a guy's ear. And then Jesus puts it back on. That probably was pretty cool to watch. But <laughs> anyway. I mean, this is all going on. And so the passage we're going to look at today is where Jesus is on the cross. He's hanging there. Probably one of the worst ways you could ever prescript to to kill someone or to die. And here he's hanging on a cross. And still, even on the cross, he's getting challenged. He's getting challenged. Uh, Turn there for a moment. Luke chapter 23. Luke 23 uh, if, if you are in-house and you're looking for a Bible, there should be those little blue Bibles. And on page um, 858, you can find the passage we're going to look at. I'm going to read through this passage, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull... Now, some of you have heard, just stop for a minute, some of you have heard the word Golgotha, or however you pronounce it, right? I I pronounce it Golgotha. Golgotha is just an Aramaic word that means skull, okay? And because it kind of looked like a skull, the mountain formation looked like a skull, okay? Um, When they came to the place called the skull, uh, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots, that's the soldiers. The people stood watching, and the rulers, now the, when, he, when he talk about the rulers here, they're talking about the religious leaders here, the ones that have been after him the whole time, trying to find a reason where they can get the Romans to crucify him, because the, the religious leaders couldn't do it. They had to have Rome sign off and do it. Um, the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If, if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one, you can almost hear the derision in their, in, their, in their, you know, the tone in their, how they said that. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Um, There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. I'll just stop for a minute. You're dying. I mean, you literally, Roman crucifixion is you're basically nailed through your wrists, nailed through your feet. You have to pull up and push up to catch your breath. And you are going to use a breath? To mock the guy dying next to you? I mean, come on, what's wrong with you? He's a criminal, of course, but there's... I mean, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us while you're at it. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So we see that everyone is mocking Jesus. Everyone at the base of the cross, everyone around him, even on the cross, next to him, are mocking him. He's already been beaten to an inch of his life. He's been given a crown of thorns. He's been spit upon, he's been slapped, he's been beaten, and now he's being mocked. First, the religious leaders, well, he can't be the chosen one. Now, this this phrase chosen one is has a lot of implications, prophetic implications. Because if you go to Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1, it says. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nation. But notice it says, I, he's my chosen one in whom I delight. And so the, the religious leaders are saying, he can't be the chosen one because chosen ones don't die on a cross like a criminal. That's, one not, that's, that's not what chosen ones do. The Roman soldiers mocked him. And they're basically saying that the sign they said, this is the king of the Jews, wasn't meant to be this is who we really think he is. No, it's mocking him. It's mocking him. The religious leaders didn't want, didn't, were, you know, they, they, they debated with Herod as to what the words would be, but ultimately they were mocking him. Because in Deuteronomy chapter twenty-one verse twenty-two it says, "Anyone who is hung on a pole or on, in an, essentially on a tree," the New Testament writers use this passage. Anyone who is hung on a pole is under God's curse. So they would say, "This can't be a king. A king isn't under God's curse." In the Old Testament, you'll read it. You'll read it, especially in the book of Job, that that they Job's friends say over and over, "You wouldn't be suffering unless you had done something to." Uh, violate God. God is punishing you because you've done something wrong. So even the Roman soldiers are saying, he is not uh, a king. Uh, Why would he he be a king if he's suffering on a Roman cross? Why would he allow us to do this? Um, You know, it's one thing to suffer, and the, the one criminal points this out. It's one thing to suffer for your crimes, when you've committed crimes it's another thing to suffer when you haven't done anything wrong when you're suffering for the crimes of others. Now remember we I mentioned uh, the time in the garden where Peter pulls out the sword and he heals the ear of the servant and it's interesting because in that in that in that exchange there Jesus says this very interesting Jesus says this because I think I want you to understand that Jesus in all of the pain and all of the suffering he went through as he's hanging on the cross for you and for me, whether you're in this place right now in this building or you're watching online, Jesus was in an incredible amount of pain and suffering physically, but that doesn't even bring in the spiritual dimension. We're not even talking about all of that, the weight of sin and all of that. And here's the thing. He's there, but at any moment, he could end it. He could stop it. In the garden, this is what he says to Peter. It, this is, just reference this reference. Verse, uh, t- chapter 26, verse 53, it says, Jesus says to Peter, do you not think that I, can, I cannot call my, to my, on my father? And he will put at his disposal more than 12 legions of of angels. In other words, Peter's saying, or Jesus saying to Peter, Peter, I could stop this at any time. This has to happen. Because if I don't die, sins aren't forgiven. If my life isn't taken, then lives will not be saved. He understood his mission. He understood the roadblocks. And Peter was getting in the way. Peter was becoming a roadblock. And Jesus says, I could call 12 legions of angels at any time. I could end this right now. And while he's on the cross, while he's being mocked, not only by the religious leaders, not only by the Roman soldiers, not only by the criminals next to him, he could have ended it. At that moment, he could have ended it. He could have said, I'm done. I am done with this. But he hung in there. By the way, have you heard the song? He could have called 10,000 angels. Right? You heard that song? Yeah, man, I don't know if it sounds familiar because you sing so badly. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. You know the song, right? 10,000 angels. You've heard it, right? Some of you are going to go, I'll play it later on. Okay, so here's the thing. Do you know when they talk about legions, Jesus says, I could could call 12,000 legions right now. Boom, 12,000 legions. So so most of you know how many 12,000 legions are, right? Or you don't know that? Or 12 legions? Okay. So 10,000 angels, right? So it must be, right? Because it's a song, right? A legion is 6,000. All right, so let's get our math people out. So 6,000 times 12 legions is 72,000. The, this song is wrong, okay? This song is wrong. I don't know why they couldn't say, you could have called 72,000 angels, but he didn't. They, they decided with 10,000. Let's round it down to 10,000. Anyway, that's just an annoying thing that I came up with. <laughs> here's, here's the point that you have to understand. Jesus chose to give his life for you and for me no one took it from him in fact he says that in john chapter 10 and verse 18 he says no one takes it away from me my life but i lay it down of my own free will in another place john says greater love is no one than this they lay down their life for their friends and even with the taunting even with the mocking even with abuse jesus did not come down from the cross Now, what's interesting to me is Jesus stayed on the cross and he accomplished his mission. Now, everyone that day below the cross, beneath the cross, the soldiers, even those on the cross, the two criminals with him, but everybody, everybody around him, even his disciples who weren't there because they had fled, thought his mission had failed. Everyone, even his mom, Mary and, and, and the women with her as they grieved over her son being crucified in a brutal way on a cross, even she said, I didn't know, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't understand this. Doesn't make sense. But he accomplished the mission because his last words were what? It is finished. No matter what the roadblock block was along the way, it is finished. So let's get back to this idea of how do people view Jesus today? I think it's very similar to how he was viewed back then. Some people say, well, Jesus is no one special. That's the religious leaders and the Roman soldiers. He's a guy, just a guy. Teacher, yeah, did he do some healings? Don't know, don't care, he's just a guy. And for some people today, Jesus is just a guy. Did he, did he live historically? Okay, I'll grant you that. But, you know, I don't need a Jesus. I don't need a guy. I don't need that guy. I mean, I'm doing okay. You need Jesus good for you. But I don't need Jesus, just a guy. You might need him in your life. I know, I'm doing okay. Okay. And there's a lot of people in the world today like that. Maybe you're watching, and that's your view. Jesus just a guy. Some of you, though, say, you know, Jesus is useful for me. He's like a genie. He's like a vending machine. He's like my ace in the hole. He's like the guy that I call when I can't call anyone else. He's like the one when my life goes bad quickly and I'm just freaking out and I say Jesus help just like Peter when he was walking on the water right And he saw the the waves and the storm and he just started to sink that's Jesus you know we don't talk a lot we don't you know we don't do a lot I you know we just he's here I'm here and then I just call I mean it's like the button I hit the panic button and it's his name is Jesus that's kind of the relationship we had and that's the other thief on the cross who basically, the criminal on the cross, cross who's basically saying, Jesus, save yourself. And while you're at it, save me. If you could do it, I'm good with that. In other words, some people approach Jesus for what they can give him. I'm in the midst of a panic right now. I've got this bad situation. I've tried everything. I've tried doctors. I've tried this. I've tried this. Jesus, you're my last chance. Help. Help. It's a one-sided relationship. I mean, you, you've had those relationships before, haven't you? you maybe you have them right now. They, you, know, you, you give and give and give and give, and they just take, 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 take. It's called being a parent. <laughs> and by the way, it doesn't change after they you know, leave the house. But some, some people would say, Pastor, I need Jesus, and He's not just my panic button. In fact, let me tell you something. I serve Jesus. I serve Him. We didn't read it, but there's this in the story right above this, Jesus. you know it's understandable after being beaten up and whipped and carrying this heavy cross and uh, just being just left barely alive, to even to be put up on a cross. He's carrying this heavy beam wasn't the whole cross, it was probably just the beam, uh, the cross beam. And uh, he falls down, and so the Romans call this guy to help him out. His name is Simon, and it, in Luke chapter 23, 26, it says, And the soldiers led him away, and they see Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and they put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Sometimes you serve because it's out of, you know, It's out of duty. Like, hey, you, come here, help. (laughs) You know, and okay, I will, you know. That's Simon. By the way, it's interesting that we know he was Simon from Cyrene. And you say, why? Because many times in Scripture, they don't tell you who it is. They just say some guy or some person or, you know, this. And and this time, they give you the name. And the reason is, is because in the first century, the people who would have Passed the story on, read the story. They would say, said, oh, that's Simon. Yeah, I know that guy. I know his parents. I know, you know, his kids. There's verifiable things there. But I was thinking about why do people serve Jesus? Well, some people do it out of duty. Maybe you grew up in a tr- religious tradition where your duty was to serve Jesus. We serve Jesus in this house. Or some people serve Jesus out of a deal. They say, Jesus, I will do this if you do this. Or they, you know, they basically, they go to church, they believe in God, they, they live a good life, they give their money, they give their time somewhat. And uh, one day they're going to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, um, I want to come into heaven. Here's my resume. Here's what I've done for you. And Jesus looks at it, spectacular. Get in here. You deserve to be in here. Right? We have a deal. We have a handshake here, right? And then there's others. And I hope this room is filled with this, this group. And I hope people watching that you're part of this group. It's not a duty. It's not a deal. It's a delight. Serving Jesus is a delight. Do you have somebody in your life that you love so much That when you go to do something for them, you get excited, you would spend more than you should, you would take as much time as needed, and you would have anticipation as they see what you've done for them, and when they enjoy it, love it, you delight in that. Do you have people like that in your life? Is Jesus one of them? Or do you feel like, what do you want from me, Jesus? Do you remember there's a quick story? I don't have a lot of time to go into it. Jesus had a number of friends, and Mary and Martha and Lazarus were his friends, some of his friends, and they were all related, brother, sister, and uh, two sisters and a brother, and one day, uh, the brother died, and yeah, they, they, there's a number of stories, a couple of stories in the, in, the, in the New Testament Gospels about that. And there's one time where Martha is um, working very hard to prepare the house and get it nice and fix it up because Jesus is coming with his disciples, and she wants things to be nice, and she wants them to be, she's got the gift of hospitality. And she's working really hard, and um, She's like some of you moms when you maybe it's around Christmas or Thanksgiving and everybody's got their eyes on a screen. And you go, can somebody please help me here? I need help. Hello. Right? Been there? Yeah. And so Martha comes to Jesus and she goes, tell my sister to come and help me. And what does Jesus say? He says this, Luke 10, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, nor indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Martha was in, I'm doing this for you mode. Mary was in, I just want to be with you. I just want to hang out with you. I just want to spend time with you. And Jesus says, Yeah. Don't mistake those two. Because there's a lot of Christians today that are busy doing things for Jesus, but they're never with him. They're never with him. Have you ever done that? Your family, you're so busy doing things for them that you realize that whole time over the the weekend or over the holiday, you really didn't spend time with anyone because you were busy doing things for them. I get that. I get that you have to sometimes do things for people, and I get all that. You get what I'm saying here, right? And following Jesus sometimes turns into a duty, and you lose the delight. And that's the last one, that Jesus is someone I delight in. That's the trusting criminal. Both of these criminals are in trouble. One wanted Jesus for what he could do for him. Jesus, if you're the Messiah, you know, save yourself and save me too while you're at it. The other criminal wanted just to be with Jesus. And notice it says, Jesus... He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, you will be, what does it say? With me in paradise. For one, Jesus was a means to an end. For the other, Jesus was the end. The criminal doesn't ask to be saved from the cross. He wants to be with Jesus. First criminal was saying, I'll follow you if you get me out of this trouble. The second criminal was saying, I'll stay with you even in the midst of all this trouble. I've talked to people and I've heard stories of people who are angry with Jesus. They're angry with God because they said, I prayed for this and I asked for this and you never gave it to me. Jesus says, In the world, you'll have tribulation, you'll have trouble. But here's the thing, even in the midst of that trouble and tribulation, guess what? I'll be with you. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, i fear and no evil, for thou art with me. Do you see that theme all through Scripture that Jesus wants to be with us? He doesn't promise us that you're going to have a, a, an easy time. There'll be no storms, there'll be no trouble. The point is, he promises that in the midst of the storms, I will be with you. Do you want to be with me? Or do you want me just to take all the storms away? Because there are people who have misunderstood Christianity say, I gave my life to Jesus so he would take the storms away from my life. And he didn't. And I don't read that in Scripture. What I read in Scripture is Jesus says the storms will come, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But when they come, look for me because I'm there. I'm in the storm. I have a rod. I have a staff. I will comfort you. I will be with you in the storm. I will, won't leave you alone. I will never leave you. Now, notice what he doesn't say to the criminal who places faith in Jesus. Because churches want to make it hard. <laughs> they always want to make it so hard. When he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, he doesn't say, well, were you baptized? I don't know. What church do you go to and who's the pastor? Do you tithe? Now, listen, I'm not mocking attending, being part of a local assembly and tithing and and all of those things, but in a sense, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He acknowledged the sin. He said to his friend, listen, he's innocent. We aren't. When I ask you a question, and, and I hope it will wreck your day a little bit. Or at least cause you to think about things and make you feel uncomfortable. Do you want heaven more than you want Jesus? Do you want heaven more than you want Jesus? I am convinced that there are Christians today, maybe in this room, maybe watching right now, maybe people today that say, I I, I want Jesus, but I want Jesus because with Jesus I get heaven. And can I just change that a little bit? No, that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says with heaven, you get Jesus. Big difference. Big difference. Many of us are worried. We're saying, but what will I miss out on? What if, what if the Lord takes me from this earth before I've lived a full life? And people say, well, heaven's going to be so great. Heaven, you're going to be able to do this in heaven and this in heaven and this heaven and, and, and Jesus, Jesus is going to be there. What will I be able to do in heaven? No, I I told you Jesus is going to be in there. Yeah, 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 I heard that. No, what will I be able to do in heaven? The question before us is this. Do you want heaven more than you want Jesus? Jesus, today, to the criminal, you will be with me. Is that enough? Is that good enough for you? On the cross, Jesus defeated our greatest enemies, guilt, sin, and death without destroying us because he was destroyed for us. He took our place. He took our sins so that we could be forgiven. He gave his life so that we could live. That's what took place on the cross. Turn just for a minute. We have just a minute. Isaiah 53 um, It's on page 600 of the Chair Bible, if you want to pop over there real quick. Um, If you want to read through a passage of Scripture that is so amazing to me, it was written hundreds and hundreds of years before the Roman crucifixion ever began. And this is one of those, we call them, suffering servant passages in Isaiah. Isaiah 53, let me just start reading verse 4. And think of the passage where Jesus is hanging on the cross with the criminals. The Romans are jeering him. The religious leaders are jeering him. The people are jeering him. And, and this is what it says. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken, uh, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace, uh, brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He poured out his life unto death. And was, notice this next phrase, numbered with the transgressors. Isaiah says he will be numbered among the criminals when he dies. And he was. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Who are the transgressors? Who are the transgressors? You and me. He didn't just number himself as a transgressor, but he made... He made... intercession for us. I think it's time, if you haven't already done it, to see yourself as a transgressor, as a criminal. That you are guilty. That you are a sinner. The Bible says we all sin. We all fall short of God's glory. That no one is righteous. No, not one. We compare, can compare ourselves to others, and we do fine. But when we compare ourselves to him, we fall woefully short. And then number two, will you like the condemn criminal? Look to Jesus, not to your baptism, not to your... your, your uh, Faith upbringing, not to your tradition, not to your being better than others, not to your belief, I believe in God, not to any of that. But will you just turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I am an absolute sinner, and without you, I am dead. I am hopeless and helpless. And I want to be with you. And by the way, you could be with him today, and he could be with you today. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know what that criminal did, that one criminal did that day? He called on the name of the Lord. Didn't join a church, wasn't baptized, didn't have a really sound doctrinal basis, never studied the Old Testament, never tithed. But he placed his faith in Jesus and he found life. I hope you will find the same. But the question I want to leave with those of you who say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, is just this question. What do you want more? Do you want more heaven or Jesus? Think about that one. Because that defines your relationship with him today and moving forward. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for the encouragement we get from your word. Thank you for the gospel, the good news. Thank you that Jesus completed the mission when he said it is finished. That he paid the price for our sins, past, present, and future. That he took our sin uh, so that we could be forgiven. He gave his life so that we could live. Thank you, Father, that the best part of heaven is, is Jesus, is being with him. And Father, I pray that if there's anyone here who's never called upon the name of the Lord, today would be the day they might pray something like this. Jesus, I realize I am a sinner and I need you. I realize that I I can't save myself. And without you, I have no hope. So today, right now, I am placing my trust, just like the criminal, in you. I want to be with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to grow in that relationship with you. And I don't even know what that means. But I pray that you would bring people into my life that can help me. And I would begin walking with you today in forgiveness and newness of life. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. And Father, if somebody prayed that prayer, I pray they'd let somebody else know. For the rest of us, Father, help us to just look at our, our relationship and see whether we want to truly be with Jesus. Delight in him. Examine our hearts, Father, and may the Spirit of God make us restless until we settle this point. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I pray for you uh, and with you, uh, let me just say, I hope you'll come next weekend and invite your friends. And I would love many of you to be servants and just go into the NPR and populate that room so we can have room here for our guests. Uh, Pray about that, that uh, you can use this as a way to serve others. I want to pray with you as we go. Father, as your church leaves this place, may we wrestle with your word today and more specifically, our relationship with you and your son. Thank you for your word and the encouragement gives us. And as the church leaves this place, Father, whether it's here in house or online, we pray that you would use us to uh, bring glory to you this week. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.